0: And right now, he is on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Hey, Scott, how are you?
2: I'm good. How are you guys?
0: Uh, Hi, Scott. I'm disappointed. <laughs> I'm disappointed, Scott. I'm going to be honest. It's just like being disappointed at the kids. I'm very, very disappointed at what this team did yesterday because they underachieved. I, I, it just wasn't a competitive game, and I think that's bothers me more than anything. What say you, my friend?
2: Yeah, I get that. Um, I get that opinion completely. To me, the reason it was so disappointing for fans, and I'm sure the team itself, is you're coming off your best performance of the year and you're coming off a bye week, right? There was renewed optimism and hope. And to go out and play the way that they played against Miami, um, there's just no excuse for that. And it didn't even seem like it followed because there had been signs of improvement. Kevin Stefanski had been 2-0 and coming off bys. There had been renewed energy and then they played one of their worst games of the year.
1: I'm stunned. I'll, I'll be honest. I thought, and I was optimistic. Maybe I was, over. Well, apparently I was overly optimistic, but I thought Bengals, you put it all together. That's what we've been looking for all year. That's the team we think we have. And then, Scott, to follow it up with the way they followed it up, and and though I think the Dolphins are good, they and they had a three-game winning streak, their wins were against Pittsburgh, Detroit, Chicago, in three very close games that they had to really fight to win. I am—I was stunned as poorly as the Browns' effort was against them yesterday, and and I think that's a justified feeling. I—I I, honestly, I thought they were going to play really well. I thought they were going to win.
2: Yeah, me too. I picked them to win. I, I thought there'd be a lot of points scored because Miami yeah. has a good scheme, right? And they have a good quarterback and good skill players, but I thought the Browns would be able to score points too. And obviously it didn't work out that way. Um, And it's the kind of loss that leaves people questioning everything. And I get that. And I get it when it happens this late in the season and you think things should have been corrected. I get it when it's an all-around disaster. People want to question things. And that makes sense after a game like that. And, when you know, all of it's confounding, but particularly the defense. I, I thought it had really made strides. I, you know, I wasn't ready to say it turned a corner, but you thought maybe it had turned a corner because it played much yeah. better against Baltimore and then even better against Cincinnati. And then they had, it had no answers yesterday. And it starts with that front seven. I mean, they got blown off the ball. And Miami could do whatever it wanted, running and then, you know, passing too, but it was obviously mostly the running.
0: <sighs> I, I just – the defense yesterday was just so disappointing in the second – I like. They just need to come up with like one or two plays and you really could have changed things in the second half. And you know, I'm sure people are gonna be like, Hey, when are they firing Joe Woods or when are they firing this guy? Or, when I mean, is that the right course of action for a team in the middle of a season right now where I don't know, is there some hot person or as we had a phone call earlier today, is you gotta fire somebody to make a statement. I don't know. I don't I don't think they operate that way right now. You tell me.
2: I'm with you on that. I don't think they operate that way and that's not my not that it matters. <laughs> that's not my style either. You know, I'm not a fire guy, just a fire guy type of person. And I know that's not popular on Twitter. Um, So, yeah, I mean, if this had happened before the bye week, then you have a legitimate conversation. Maybe, you know, okay, is it the right time to make a move? I'm not sure it's the right time to make a move right now. I think it'll certainly be a hot topic after the season, Um, whether or not Joe Woods returns. And, again, it's not all Joe Woods. You know, if players can't get off blocks, I don't care what your scheme is, it's, it's going to have a hard time working. And you do have to devote a bunch of resources against the Dolphins to stopping Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. So that requires the guys up front to win some one-on-ones. And if you're going to stop the run, and they don't even need to stop the run. You just can't be gashed by the run. Like, they'd be okay with the Dolphins probably averaging five yards a carry. And it takes them forever to go down the field, as opposed to giving up a seventy-five yarder to Tyree Kill. Like I understand that plan, but for that plan to be to work for you is it means you can't give up twelve yards of carry, and you can't let Raheem Ossert go twenty-five yards or however long it was for a touchdown, and no one touches him. Like you just have to play better up front, and they didn't. And I'm not absolving Joe Woods. I'm just saying it's a combination of scheme and certainly the talent slash performance. The, of the front seven.
1: Scott, I mentioned this earlier, and Scott Petrack joining us, Chronicle Telegram, BrownZone.com, where you can read all of Scott's coverage. If, if folks are mad at Kevin Stefanski, I, I don't think you can single out Kevin Stefanski, or Andrew Barry, or Paul De Podesta because this clearly is the like most cohesive management trio that w- we've seen on this team in a while. I mean, it, it looks like a package deal to me. So, if you don't like one aspect of it, you probably don't like all of it, and i I don't think if it comes to pointing blame and, and ultimately we know what blame leads to. I don't think you can single out anybody and I don't want to do that because more than anything, I think this team needs continuity and a chance to really build something. so it's I, I'm real curious to see what's coming down the road, and I think it has to be improved play or we, or we might see things that i I don't think I don't think we want to see.
2: Right. No, that's interesting points, and I tend to agree with you, Jeff. I do think there's some kind of line of demarcation between talent and getting the most out of that talent, right? If, you're, if push came to shove, and there is finger-pointing, and you're trying to defend yourself in front of the Haslams, can Kevin Stefanski say, well, they gave me Jordan Elliott and Taven Bryan and Tommy Togiai and Perry and Winfrey, and those guys can't do it, so how do you want me to stop the run? Right, and I'm playing linebackers. You know, um, that shouldn't be out there as many snaps as they are. And part of that's injuries. Um, you know, I got a left tackle that struggles from time to time. You know, obviously all the things that people point to. Part of that is talent acquisition, and that falls on the front office. But it's not that simple because there's plenty of times this year where the same talent has produced enough, and you only have to go back to two weeks ago before the buy and say, okay. Against Cincinnati, it was the same group of guys, and it played really well, right? So that's why it's difficult to single out blame and to apply the blame and to divide that between, okay, is it just talent acquisition? Because it's not just talent acquisition, but it's also not just, um, you know, how, the, how they're getting coached up on Sunday, right? It's not all scheme, and it's not all talent acquisition. It's a combination, which makes it, I think, more difficult to kind of digest as fans.
0: John Watson goes back to the practice field today. For just your thoughts on that, and then how do you think Kevin Stefanski is going to work him back into the system?
2: Yeah, um, he'll be out there for the first time with the whole team on Wednesday. Um, I think for two weeks you have parallel tracks, kind of like you did in the preseason and training camp, that you've got to get your Kobe Brissett ready to play Buffalo and Tampa Bay. Right? You're not giving up on the season yet, so you've got to get your Kobe Brissett ready. That has to be priority number one, But you can't ignore the fact that Deshaun Watson hasn't practiced with the team since the end of August, and he's going to be the guy for the final six games. So if that means longer practices, if it means an extra period, team period, so he gets some snaps either with the ones or just in general, he gets more snaps, I'm sure he'll spend plenty of individual time throwing to, you know, Amari Cooper and Donna Pupils jones and David Njoku when he's healthy um, to get him up to speed. So I think the next two weeks will be kind of a dual track and then once you get to the week of the Texans game it'll be all about Deshaun Watson. Uh but I just big picture wise, you know, you look at Watson and I know how the Browns constructed this team. And it's okay, now we have who we feel is a franchise quarterback and that changes everything. And it does. So I'm really fascinated to see how things change when he comes back and if he's playing at a high level. But it also doesn't <laughs> it doesn't solve everything, right? Deshaun Watson being back might mean run defense is less important, but it doesn't mean the run defense will be fixed. And I think that's something that this organization is going to have to weigh over the final six games and then throughout the offseason.
1: Scott, how much will things be judged on pre-Watson, post-Watson yeah. when it comes to looking at you know the guys in charge?
2: Sure. I think a lot depending on how Deshaun Watson plays like, if, if there's a ton of rust and he doesn't play well for the first, whatever, two, three games, then I think, okay, it's not as big a difference maker, right? And I don't know who that benefits. I don't know if it benefits Kevin Stefanski or not, if you're talking about, you know, job security. Uh, now, if Deshaun Watson comes out, and whether it's against Houston or the game after, and plays like a top 5, 8, 10 quarterback, and the offense looks better and the whole plan looks better because – you're scoring a bunch of points and you're converting more third downs, then I think it's safe to say, you know, as a coaching staff, if you're defending yourself, say, look what happens when we have an elite player at the most important position for the first time in my tenure, we go five and one and the offense looks unstoppable, right? Then then I think there's no discussion in the off season. Now if it doesn't happen, then I, I think that muddies the waters. <laughs>
0: I, I'm just wondering how they picked the pieces up, you know, going back into practice today. And it just – it was just – you know, it kind of feels like uh, – you tell me, is, is there a discontent in the locker room? Do you think that the guys in the locker room after a game like yesterday, you know, we, we had heard about, you know, yelling in the locker room before. We've heard about right. communication problems uh, on defense. It's just – it just feels super disjointed. And I don't know – and and it did feel like maybe they took a major step in the right direction after Cincinnati. I'm just – I mean, how do you heal the wounds? Maybe of what's going on in the locker room, or are there no wounds to heal? You just get out there and do your job.
2: Well, it'd be nice if it were that simple. Yeah, uh, and I think that's what Kevin Stefanski tries to preach. Right? It's a new week. Can't do anything about what just happened. We have to refocus. Now you got to get the. You have to have the buy-in, right? And you have to have the buy-in before the Dolphins game, and I don't know if it was there, right? It's it's so hard when a team plays so poorly. You want to say everything's wrong, and they didn't buy in, and there's no leadership. And I'm not saying that none of those things are true, but I, they're not all true after every loss. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So um, if They do have to rebound and they have to figure out a way or else the season is really going to get off the tracks. Now, we've seen them bounce back before. We saw them do it against Cincinnati. Um, and they're still, you know, I know the players like to cling to the playoffs are still a possibility, right? And Miles said it after the game. You know, yes, it's still out there. We need to win in the next two. All right, well, so... They still can focus on that and that kind of be the, you know, the target goal. But yeah, something needs to change for how they played yesterday for sure. And it's up to Kevin Sapansky and it's up to Joe Woods to make those adjustments and to get the team in the mental state it needs to be in.
1: Scott Petrak's joining us. I I, I still don't have many, if any, issues with the offense. It wasn't good yesterday. They were chasing points. It didn't work. You know, I, I get it. But still the offense has been pretty good. I I thought it was interesting. The Dolphins offense has been getting so much praise, deservedly so. When Mm -hmm. Tua wasn't in there, they didn't play as well. But that that Dolphin offense wasn't quite as productive as the Browns offense going into this game. So to me that's that's not a huge issue. It it just it's so much defense that it's it's nutty to me, Scott.
2: Yeah. No, you're exactly right, Jeff. And you know, I mean yesterday you know, it's ten to seven at the end of the first half. Right, and the Browns have to punt, and I can't remember exactly what happened before the bad Horchow's punt. I think there's probably protection issues because that was an issue all day. Uh, You know, when we talk about the offense yesterday, that's what stands out. The offensive line did not play well. Um, Keller had to leave the game. Jack Conklin, I don't know if it's his foot that's bugging him, but he didn't play well. Judge Grills had issues. Um, But in the first half, they move the ball, and if Nick Chubb doesn't fumble, and if they go don't go third and one, fourth and three stopped then they're in that game, and they're, they might even be winning at halftime, right? But that didn't happen, and then your defense never gets a stop, and it's so hard to call plays and to coach when you can't trust your defense to get off the field at all. And, and I do think that was the overarching theme from yesterday, and, and I'm with you. If you just take one step back and look at how the offense has played all season – that's a credit to Kevin Safansky, as a coach, as a play caller, and it's a big credit to Jacoby Brissett. When we talk about the boost Watson's going to give them, and I believe that will happen, but they're not losing games because Jacoby Brissett's a quarterback, and maybe that's what makes this more unsettling than anything.
0: Scott, last question, real quick: Do you think the team quit yesterday fourth quarter?
2: I don't. I mean, you know, maybe on the, you know maybe in the last two minutes, guys aren't playing super hard because the game's you know decided. Yeah. But I, I got a hard time saying guys quit. I know how hard they work, and I'm not saying it never happens. And Individually, on a particular play, it doesn't happen. Um, but I, I, I'm not in any position or didn't see enough yesterday to say that the team quit in general. I just don't feel that way.
0: Gotcha, Scott. We always appreciate your time. Great, great conversation always on the Browns, too. Thanks, Thanks Scott. Thanks, all.